Welcome to Cracking and Fracking with your host, me, Thomas Waters. Our podcast will tackle credit trends, ratings and outlooks in the oil and gas and chemical space, as well as insightful analysis on industry trends and market dynamics. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Cracking and Fracking. Um, so today I'm going to talk about what's been going on with oil prices, also natural gas prices. We'll spend a little time talking about the Russian-Ukraine situation, what that has done, and also the outlook and how all these factors are coming together and directing prices. Um, well, look, it's, it's no secret that you know we've had a hell of a run-up in uh, oil prices, over $100.00. Gas prices as well have uh, really taken off both here in the U.S. as well over in Europe with the TTF uh, reaching record highs. Um, let me just circle back on oil a bit. We'll start off from there and talk about it. And before I even do that, I'll talk about our price decks. Now, we have raised our price decks three times this year to uh, reflect the the really the, the strong run-up in oil and gas prices. So what's been driving oil prices well, look, I mean, it's no secret after COVID, we've had economic reopenings and the supply side has, has remained rather disciplined. So all have combined to really drive up the price of oil. Now, recently, we've seen a lot of volatility in the oil price trading of the band, but has been, like I said, volatile. It's sort of this yin and yang that's been occurring between concerns on uh, EU sanctions and further sanctions um, of Russian oil and also as well as demand destruction from China uh, due to lockdowns to to combat uh, the spread of COVID. But the underlying supply and demand uh, fundamentals right now are pretty supportive for strong prices. And when you look at the inventory levels uh, globally, they're, they're at or near five-year lows. Now, when you have inventory levels that are that low, any potential disruption to supply really could result in a very fast and meaningful price increases. So we expect things to remain volatile. So the question becomes, well, where do we think price is going from here? quite difficult to say when you consider so many variables are unknown, such as what happens maybe to, you know, there's about a million and a half barrels of Iranian production that's offline and the potential for further oil embargoes. Recently, EU has proposed that they're looking to phase out about 2.3 million barrels of Russian crude imports uh, within six months and about 1.2 million barrels of Russian crude products imports by the end of 2022. Um, so again, these are these are things that are really you know uh, making the market so volatile. But let me let's look at, dig a little bit further, maybe into the supply side of oil. Um, you know, we know producer discipline in North America uh, is expected to continue. Uh, they're under the auspices of investors who do not want these companies to outspend, and of course they're looking at free cash flow to be positive and generate returns to shareholders. And that's so, sort of the mantra you continue to hear on earnings calls. Uh, from producers. Um, so we're not expecting that to change anytime soon. And it looks like OPEC uh, won't be releasing too much of their limited spare capacity. So again, that's that's something that's probably just keeping the wraps on the supply side of the equation. And again, with the demand side, I mean, economies continue to open. There's pent-up consumer demand for travel. So that's really voting well for the supply and demand fundamentals for oil. Let's move over to gas. You've probably seen what's been happening in Europe um, as they're looking to reduce their exposure to Russian gas. Now, the TTF has hit record highs. Uh, as concerns about this, their five-year, um, their inventory storage levels are five years, 70% below the five-year average, and is also increasing on certain supply outlook in Europe, obviously. Now, what, what has been happening and a sign that maybe gas markets are becoming more intertwined 
We're starting to see Henry Hub prices have risen considerably on the back of the TTF. Now, Europe is demanding a lot of LNG, especially coming from the U.S. markets. Problem is in the U.S., LNG capacity and shipping uh, capacity is probably full. Uh, so you really can't pump any more gas, even if you wanted to, because the pipelines are full, never mind the LNG export facility. So we're going to have this tight gas situation in Europe lasting for some time. And we'll see. No, we get a lot of questions about, you know, what exactly is the Russian impact on oil and gas? And I'm going to throw some statistics at you here. Let's talk about the oil side of the equation. Now, Russia is the world's third largest oil producer, accounting for about 10% of global oil production. Um, they're also um, the world's largest export of oil um, and oil products. And that is about 7.8 million barrels a day. And they're the second largest crude oil and condensate export of about 4.7 million barrels of crude um, exported. Or maybe that's about 46% of their total oil production. All right. Now, at the end of last year, let's talk about the European exposure to, to Russia. because that's, that's the big question here. OECD Europe uh, imported a total of 4.5 million barrels of Russian oil products, which is about 34% of uh, Europe's total oil product import, of which of the 4.5, million barrels or two-thirds of Russian 2021 exports was crude oil. Let's talk about nat gas for a minute. Russia is the largest natural gas exporter in the world. Now, when we look at the EU, they import over 90% of its gas needs, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, one, declining production out of the North Sea, and also the Europeans switched as they moved toward renewables. They're trying to move, again, climate transition issues. They're trying to reduce their uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So um, their production of, and rely, production of gas has decreased, and the reliance on imports has definitely been increasing. Now, of that 90% of the natural gas imports, in terms of Russia, Russian natural gas accounted for 45% of imports and 40% of EU gas demand last year. And Europe alone is the largest importer of Russian natural gas and accounts for about 75% of Russia's total natural gas imports. So earlier in April, the EU announced that it's going to reduce its exposure to Russian gas by two-thirds by the end of the year. It remains to be seen how they're going to do that because they're going to have to rely on LNG to do that. And I think renewable investment is going to take some time to, to get there. So it remains to be seen. You know, over the longer term, it's it's going to be easier for Europe to wean itself off Russian oil versus Russian gas. Uh, most of the natural gas that's supplied from Russia comes into Europe through, through pipelines. Now, replacing that infrastructure would mean literally importing uh, more LNG into coastal facilities which is going to require a significant build out of new pipelines that can reach, you know, deeper into Europe. You know, whereas, you know, you look at the oil markets and the more liquid, of course, and they would not require such expenditures. The next question you're probably asking is, you know, we've been hearing a lot about de facto bans from companies regarding Russian oil. Um, we've also heard besides the U.S., Canada, Australia and the U.K., they've, all, they've also banned purchases of Russian oil. The question is, did we really actually see declines in Russian oil uh, shipments? Now, up through early April, we really didn't, surprisingly. Um, the market was expecting to see somewhere around maybe 3 million barrels of Russian crude impacted. There was a little bit of a, a blip down in March. Shipments have remained relatively stable for the most part. It appears that maybe India and China uh, have been buying uh, 
steeply discounted Russian crude. I've been hearing Russian crude has been discounted anywhere from $25 to $30 a barrel to keep it going. Now, our sister company, Platts Analytics, they're estimating uh, ultimately that uh, Russian crude will be down maybe about 2.8 million barrels by August. In fact, in April, they believe Russian uh, crude shipments will be down about a million barrels. Now, there's more. As you know, I just mentioned that the EU on May 4th yesterday announced a near-complete ban on Russian imports by the end of 2022. They're proposing that. Also, on May 15th, EU sanctions will only permit strictly necessary transactions, as is defined, with, with Russian oil and gas companies. So this is all going to probably come together, and you'll start seeing an impact on Russian production. At the end of the day, we're expecting extreme volatility in the oil and gas market to continue at least through the end of the year. And as long as the war continues, uh, this, this situation probably will not be resolved anytime soon. Well, that's it for another episode of Cracking Fracking. Until next time, thank you very much. If you have any comments or thoughts on today's topics or future topics that you would like to learn more about, send me an email to thomas.waters at spglobal.com. Thanks for listening to Cracking and Fracking, our U.S. corporate ratings podcast. I'm Tom Waters. See you next time.